Thank you, Freddie. Good morning. It's lovely to see your faces. Um, this feels really close. Let me move it back a little bit. Okay. Cool. So I'm going to be continuing um, in our sermon series called Incarnation, and today we are looking at a couple of verses from the book of Isaiah. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It is going to come up on the screen, but feel free to turn to it if you wish. So shall we begin? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. What powerful words. Um, but before we begin, I thought it'd be helpful to give a little bit of context to this piece of scripture. I'm sure a lot of us are really familiar with it. It's one that comes out every year, doesn't it? And yet, it is one that um, we can come over familiar with, can't we? Sometimes when we hear things over and over again, we forget that actually there's a depth to it that sometimes we miss. We sometimes don't ask questions about it that maybe we should. And yet, this, this piece, tiny few verses... Um, are packed full of um, a lot of controversy, actually. Lots of questions around what actually does these verses mean. Who is Isaiah speaking about? Who is this child that is to be born? Is he speaking about a prophecy, about a message from God, about the, new, about the Messiah that is to come, about the Savior that will come? Or is he speaking about another king? Who is this child? And the debate goes even beyond this, these verses. The debate across um, the whole of the book of Isaiah about how actually we approach this book. How, how do we read it helpfully? How do we read it correctly? And so it's a complex book. And so it's no surprise that potentially this passage might be more complex than we would first see. And yet so often we hear about it spoken with quite, um, quite clarity, I guess, that this passage is about a prediction that Jesus is going to be born. And it's a prediction that was said 700 years before it happened. But I want to suggest that potentially this is not necessarily what Isaiah was saying. Now, it's worth saying this isn't something that I've just come up with. This is something that other people are suggesting who are way cleverer than me. Um, but they're suggesting that this particular passage is actually Isaiah prophesying about a future king of the nation of Judah, the crown prince Hezekiah. And these titles that are given in verse 6 are titles that are expressing the expectation of hope that they're going to have for this king. And the words to us, a son, is given are words that are given to kings who are in the line of David. They are often referred to as adopted sons of God. Isaiah was prophesying about a king, King Hezekiah, that will reign with justice, that will reign with moral integrity, a peace that will be known in his kingdom. So I'm sure some of you are sat here like, oh dear, this is meant to be a series that's called Incarnate and is meant to be all about Jesus. But it's okay, bear with me. 
You see, when we speak of prophecies in the Old Testament, there's a really help, at least I find a really helpful analogy that is often used. And it's the picture of two distant mountain peaks. And when we look at them from one perspective, when you look at a, a horizon of mountain peaks, you can think that the mountains are really close together, can't you? Potentially even literally right next to each other. But when you look at them from a different perspective, actually there's a lot more distance between them. And in the same way, these mountaintops that Isaiah is speaking about, these future events, he is looking at them from a different perspective. He is looking at them in light of his context. But with the benefit of our perspective, with the benefit of our bigger picture, in light of our context, we can see that actually maybe these two mountain peaks may have more distance between them than even Isaiah realized. You see, the king that Isaiah spoke about, the king Hezekiah, was a good king. He was potentially one of the greatest kings in the Bible. In his reign, people of Israel knew that God was there, that he was near to them in some of the most difficult times. He did bring peace. He did bring justice. But of course, King Hezekiah did eventually die. His reign did end Justice and moral integrity did not continue. Even his son was probably the worst king in the Bible. Peace didn't endure forever. You see, Hezekiah was merely human. The titles that were given to him, he could only just be a shadow of them. Even his reign was not enough. It pointed to the need of an even greater king, an even greater kingdom whose reign would go across the whole world, where peace and justice would have no end. And of course, enter King Jesus, the Son of God, who bears the ultimate titles of Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so what does it mean for us today? What does this message that Isaiah speaks about, what does it mean in our context context today? Why does it matter that Jesus bears these four titles? I wonder if something about these four titles suggests something about Jesus' very nature. Who it is that we're talking about when we're saying God is with us? Now, there's a danger when we're speaking about Scripture, that we give too much voice to certain people whose interpretations of Scripture have, uh, have gone through the years. And so this morning, I'm going to be looking at these four titles through a different lens, through a very well-known and respected and accomplished scholar, Disney. We're going to be watching four Disney clips from different films, and I suggest that they help us understand a little bit more about who this King Jesus is. So let's begin. This is the message of Isaiah according to Disney Pixar. Starting with Inside Out. Inside Out is a film all about emotions. Have you seen it? Have you seen Inside Out? Great film. A few nods, good. So in case you don't know it, it's a, it's a film about four emotions, joy, fear, anger, discuss, oh no, five emotions, and sadness. And it's a story about how these five emotions navigate the challenges of life. And um, this particular clip is showing Riley and her five emotions and how she navigates a situation at school. Let's watch. Oh, we just fell down. 
We should cry. Sadness, no! Ah, we can't cry in front of other kids! Stop her! Stop it, Sadness! I can't help it, Joy. I'm entering a sadness spiral. Disgusting! He's getting tears on me! Joy, calm her down! Uh, okay, uh, how about we stop being sad and, um... Hey, look at this! I'm doing the happy dance. I'm not wearing any pants. Something, something, France. I'm doing the happy dance. Hey! Your desperation makes me sad. Okay, forget that. Good hustle, everyone. Now let's get some ice cream. Ice cream! Ice cream. Hello, anger. Get off of me. <laughs> Such a great film. If you haven't watched it, I would really recommend it. It's great. I wonder how many times you've answered, I'm fine, to the question, how are you? It's kind of a reflex, isn't it? It's a little bit of habit can definitely be a great way to just shut down a conversation. We answer, I'm fine, and probably even more especially when we're everything but fine. In 2017, the Mental Health Foundation conducted a survey of 2,000 British people, and the results said that 85% of us have lied to the question, how are you? 75% of us struggle to talk about our emotions, and one in 10 admitted that they would always lie about their emotional state if asked how they were doing. Yet we all have emotions. We all have stuff that we're grappling with, emotions that we're trying to figure out what they mean, what's going on for us inside. And yet we have this nationwide coping mechanism that has to be, everything has to be fine. As we saw in the clip, fear is telling us we can't cry in front of others. Disgust is telling us, stop being so down, it's pathetic. Joy is, is trying to tell us, cheer up, come on, let's distract us to something better. Something that will cheer us up. And then anger, I love that at the end, anger just lurks underneath the sadness and rises up now and again. We all have stuff that we carry around with us, some stuff that maybe even just happened yesterday, some stuff that we've been carrying around for years, and some stuff that we've been carrying around our whole lives. We have these emotions that just sit underneath the surface that, that we don't even want to begin to even feel. We're too terrified what will happen if we do. Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. I'm sure most of us wouldn't put wonderful and counsellor maybe in the same sentence. If you've ever been to counselling, it can be really uncomfortable. It can be often very inconvenient. Um, and yet a good counsellor will sit with us, will listen, will guide, and sometimes even speak truth into some of the most darkest places. Jesus was born into our world as fully human. He knows the emotions that we feel. He knows what it's like to be sad, to be angry, to be afraid. But he's also fully God. He is the co-creator of us. He knows our psychology more than we could even comprehend. I can't think of a better counselor. And absolutely, we need people, we need counsellors to talk to and to speak with. And I believe Jesus can speak powerfully through other people. But there is only one wonderful counsellor, Jesus, 
whose very nature is to listen with compassion, to be there in our hurt, our fears and complaints. His heart is to heal us. His heart is to transform us, is to make us whole. That is the very nature of who Jesus is. The question is, are we going to let him? Or are we just going to keep fumbling around in the dark, trying to do it our own way, trying to work out our emotions, trying to figure it out ourselves, pushing him away, saying, I'm fine, fine, leave me alone. Jesus is your wonderful counselor. Will you let him in? Will you embrace him? Will you seek him? Will you listen to him? Our second clip is a fairly new Disney film, and it's called Ron's Gone Wrong. It's about a malfunctioning robot. Imagine a device that is the fastest, most advanced, complex piece of technology in the world. But what if it wasn't just a device? What if it was your new best friend? Hi! Introducing the Bebot. It connects you to the world like never before. Express yourself. Imagine without limits. Create, play, and enter a new world of friendship. The Bebot. Let's make friends. Wow. Happy late birthday, Barney. You got me one! A real one this time. Yeah, I can see! Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Ed Grant! Hey, if you hurry, you can take it to school. Here we go. Insert registered name. I am your, your, your. I am. My bee bot. Bee bot. <laughs> Isaiah says, "For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God." When Jesus first came 2,000 years ago, we know, don't we, that the Jews weren't expecting what they got. Like the boy in this clip, they were waiting for an all-singing, all-dancing, super-mighty warrior to come and show up with his weapons and bring them into battle to, to free them from the Roman Empire. But he came as a vulnerable baby. God's answer to the oppression, the hostility, the pride of our world was to come as a small, vulnerable baby, a baby that did grow up, became a man, but then whose body was tortured, was humiliated, was broken, and ultimately was hung on a cross to die so that we might be saved. 
It doesn't sound too mighty, does it? And yet we hear that Jesus is our mighty God. When you think of Jesus, I wonder what it is that you think of. Nice guy? Calm, collected, teacher, pensive, leader, maybe a bit boring, maybe not. Maybe some of you are like, no, he was a radical guy. Absolutely. But I wonder if sometimes we live our lives like he's just some guy that said some good stuff, a nice man. I wonder whether we tame him, whether we don't expect much from him. Maybe we have forgotten that Jesus is a wild adventurer, that he is a powerful king. Do we believe that Jesus is powerful? Do we believe that he can do mighty things in our world today, in our relationships, in the stuff that we see around us that is really painful and is not okay? I wonder how differently our lives would look if we truly truly realized Jesus was our mighty God. I wonder how differently we'd pray. I wonder if there's situations in our lives I can definitely think of a lot in my life where maybe we have just kind of accepted things the way they are. Maybe we have forgotten that Jesus can come in power and can change situations. Jesus is your mighty God. His spirit will move in power. Our third clip is from a very well-known Disney film called Finding Nemo, a classic, a story about a father's journey to find his son. Hey, 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 hey. What the? Ah! Well, that's a long way to pull a tooth. (laughs) Darn kids. Well, good thing I pulled the right way. Oh, Nigel, you just missed an extraction. Oh, has he loosened the periodontal ligament with the elevator yet? Oh, what am I talking about? Nemo, where's Nemo? I've got to speak with him. What? What is it? Your dad's been fighting the entire ocean looking for you. My father? Really? Really? Oh, yeah. He's traveled hundreds of miles. He's been battling sharks and jellyfish, all sorts of... That can't be him. Are you sure? What was his name? Uh, Some sort of sport fish or something. Tuna? Uh, Trout? Marlin? That's it. Marlin, the little clownfish from the reef. It's my dad! I heard he took on three. Three? Three? Three sharks? There's got to be 4,800 teeth. You see, kid, after you were taken by Diver Dan over there, your dad followed the boat you were on like a maniac. Really? He's swimming, he's swimming, he's giving it all his gob, and then three gigantic sharks capture him, and he blows him up, and then dives, starts at his feet, and he gets chased by a monster with huge teeth. He ties the steam to the rock. What does he get for a reward? He gets to battle an entire jellyfish forest. But now he's riding with a bunch of sea turtles on the East Australian current, and the word is he's headed this way right now. To Sydney! Wow! Oh, what a good <laughs> He was looking for you after all, shark bait. Isaiah says, For to us a child is born, a son is given, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Hang on. Jesus is the son. God is the father, right? Yes, 
But I don't think the trilogy was something that... Um, the Trinity, sorry, Trinity, clearly films in my head. The Trinity, big concept within Christian faith. The Trinity wasn't something necessarily that Isaiah had in mind then. But I wonder if it gives us something about the, another glimpse into Jesus' character, his very heart, potentially maybe even reflecting the heart of his father. Jesus is not only a mighty God that can move in power, he is our everlasting father who watches over us, who knows all the needs of his children, providing for them, protecting them, caring for them deeply with an everlasting, never-changing, constant love. Jesus paints a picture of this kind of love when he tells the parable of the prodigal son. And there's this beautiful line in this parable that says, but while he was still long way off, his father saw him. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. The father knew what the son had done. And yet as soon as he saw him, he picked up his robe and he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he embraced him with a love like no other. This is the love of Jesus. A love that pursues, a love that rescues, a love that has given everything for us, his very life, so that we may know how loved we are, we may know how forgiven we are. Like we see in this clip, it doesn't matter how far away we go or what mess we find ourselves in, he will always come running for us. His love and forgiveness bounds like no end. And like Nemo, we can say with confidence, that's my dad. That's my dad. He came looking for me after all. Jesus is your everlasting father. He will provide for you. He will protect you. The question is, do you trust him? Our fourth and final clip is not technically Disney, but it is our favorite Christmas character, well, mine at least, and that is the Grinch. No? No one else's favorite Christmas character? Um, the clip comes in at a point where the Grinch has stolen all of Christmas, and he is about to get rid of every last trace that he can until he hears something. What's that? Do you hear it? They're singing? I don't understand, Max. Don't they know what I've done? As he watched the small girl, he thought he might melt. If he did what she did, would he feel what she felt?
cautious sound swelled, reaching up to the skies. And the Grinch heard with his heart, and it tripled in size. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Anyone else feel like that this morning? <laughs> Literally, especially after the World Cup, which hasn't been mentioned up until this point. Devastated. <laughs> um, we live in an age of anxiety. Would you agree? We talk about peace, and we desperately long for it, but as we look around, we are faced with war, we're faced with terrorism, we're faced with a lot of stress, we're faced with anxiety. Governments devise systems and elaborate schemes to try and bring security and seldom offer it. Fear, uncertainty is rife within our society, isn't it? Can peace really come to our world? Yes, but we need to look for it in the right place. Even us who can say that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, how often do we try and manufacture peace? We think peace is something that we can muster up or find within ourselves. Peace isn't found in any elaborate schemes, in any treaties, or in any self-help books. It can't be found from within us. It can't be about just pulling ourselves together and trying to make the world a better place. Peace is found in a person, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, as he's leaving his disciples, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Too often when we talk about the Christmas message, we, we talk about it in such a sentimental, tranquil, calm, silent night kind of way, don't we? It might as well just start with once upon a time, sometimes in the way that we tell it. I know I can be guilty of that. And yet the Christmas message at its very heart is the exact opposite of that. It's as gritty as any story can get. It's the most realistic way that we can look at life. It acknowledges the mess. It acknowledges how dark the world is. It says things are actually so bad that there is nothing that we can do to get ourselves out of it. God, you're going to need to come and do something. That is the Christmas message. And there's this beautiful line in The Grinch that says, in that clip that says, And the luscious sound swelled, reaching up to the skies, and the Grinch heard with his heart, and it tripled in size. Jesus entered this world as a vulnerable baby and offers us peace with his presence. This is not a peace based on optimism. It's not a peace that guarantees a storm-free existence. 
But it is a peace that doesn't leave us. It is a peace that offers us an assured hope. It is a peace that we can hold on to despite any circumstance. Jesus has entered our world. He has moved into the neighborhood. His kingdom of peace is reigning. But we're left with a choice. Do we keep it as head knowledge? Or will we allow that sweet sound of his presence and his peace to be in our hearts? Jesus is your wonderful counselor. He longs to make you whole. Jesus is your mighty God. He will, his spirit will move in power. Jesus is your everlasting father. He knows you. He sees you. And lastly, Jesus is your prince of peace. He welcomes you home. This passage ends with the words, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish these things. During this Advent season, we acknowledge and we know that things aren't as they should be. We look around, we know it, we're in our hearts, we know it for ourselves, in our own personal lives. And so we wait with the assured hope that the Lord Almighty will do all these things. And so as I come to the end, I'm just going to leave some space. I wonder out of these four characteristics of Jesus, what it is during this Advent season that you feel like you need to know the more of a truth of in your life. Where is it that you need Jesus to show more of himself during this Advent season? I'm just going to leave some space and then Freddie is going to come and lead us in a time of response.